Hey, it's Dan. Is 2020 already shaping up to be another year of overwork and overwhelm in your life? Have you promised yourself that you would slow down at work as soon as you finished the next project or met the next deadline, only to bury yourself in a new project or deadline that's eating up your time? Are the hours you're spending attached to your smartphone or laptop keeping you from creating deeper, more soulful relationships with your friends and family? If so, I'm inviting you to join me February 12th for a free live masterclass called the Life Work Blueprint. In this interactive Q&A training, I'm going to help you understand why advice like work smarter, not harder isn't working for you and finally unlock the underlying subconscious reasons that you are overworked. Plus, I'm going to give you a special six-step blueprint to be more successful by working less and creating more balance and freedom at home and at work. I'd love to see you in this training February 12th. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for your employer so that you're bringing your most lit up, focused, energized self into the office and bringing that energy back home to the people that you love. You can get the link in the show notes. I'll see you February 12th for the Life Work Blueprint Masterclass. And now episode 92. Do you have an eight-year-old running your life? I'll explain what I mean coming up next. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. Paulo Coelho, one of my favorite authors, has this quote. He says, hold the hand of the child that lives in your soul. For this child, nothing is impossible. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to Life Amplified. Congratulations for taking a few minutes out of your day to improve yourself and work on your personal growth. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for making this podcast a vehicle in which you're doing that. It means the world to me, and this is a topic that I believe will provide so much value for you, especially if you're a person who has just been running the same patterns over and over in your life, and you don't know why you aren't taking new action. If you're a person with a big dream in your life, but you don't go for it, if you're a person who plays small, If you're prone to over-the-top emotional outburst at home with the people that you love, or conversely, you're a person who shuts down and collapses on yourself. If self-expression is a challenge for you and you put on a mask to be what other people want you to be, or if you're like me and you can be prone to having a stick up your butt sometimes and just can't engage in fun activities, well, these are all signs that you have some inner child work that needs to be addressed. Full disclosure, I am a guy who really resisted the idea of the inner child for so long. I thought that that was some psychobabble nonsense. I pushed away from doing any of that work around healing that part of myself. And as Joseph Campbell says, the cave that you're afraid to enter is usually the one that will lead you to freedom. 
So coming up in this episode, here are my intentions. Number one, I want to give you an actual definition for what the inner child is. Not in some granola, new age, frou-frou sort of way, but actually talk about the neuroscience involved, uh, about why we disconnect from the wounded part of ourselves as children. We're going to talk about what is the cure for 99% of the patterns and problems that we have as adults. I'll talk about the three different types of childhood trauma that most of us encounter in our early years and how that affects us as adults. And we're going to talk about the five inner child archetypes that show up in adulthood and keep us stuck. Imagine with me for a moment that you're getting ready to leave for work in the morning and you get out to your car and you got your coffee and you're looking for your car keys and an eight-year-old child walks up to you and starts to boss you around and tell you everything that you need to get done that day. What would you do? Some idiot eight-year-old kid, you'd be like, shut up, kid, I got this. I'm gonna handle this. I appreciate your input. You might not even be mean to the child, but you would set a boundary and be like, look, I'm a grown-ass adult. I know what I need to get done today. You go over there and go play in the sandbox. But the thing is, is if you are stuck in any aspect of your life, what's really going on from a subconscious level is there is an eight-year-old part of you that is running the show. If you continue to get into the relationships with the same type of person and date the same person in different shoes, well... An eight-year-old part of you is choosing that. If you're a person who is overworked and overwhelmed in the office and you're always saying yes to your boss, but you're usually saying no to yourself, it is because a childhood version of you is making that decision unconsciously. If it's time for you to speak up and voice your opinion in the office, in that corporate meeting in the conference room, but you want to check in, engage the room to make sure it's safe and that it's okay for you to speak up so you don't rock the boat, that is a childhood version of you that is showing up in your career. And depending on how you learn to get your needs met as a child, it's also going to inform how you show up. Are you a person that goes straight to anger and throws temper tantrums where people walk on eggshells around you? Are you a person who shuts down, isolates, and goes into the turtle shell as a means of survival? Again, all related to the inner child. The reason we get stuck in any emotional situation or find ourselves repeating a pattern is because as a child, we were stuck in a similar circumstance that generated the same emotion. Now, usually as a child, we learn that we have to bury that emotion. But the problem is, is the repression gets carried with us into adult life. So we drag that suppressed emotional energy with us. So being stuck as a child means that you are going to get stuck as an adult. And the problem is, is repression over a number of years will equal depression. And up until now, you might have tried to take medication for it. We're all looking for the prescription answer for what is really a spiritual problem. This is why when you look at the data, 80% of people who are on antidepressants still suffer depression because we never really get to the root cause of what's going on. And a lot of times the root cause is all locked away with uh, that subconscious part of ourselves, the inner child that we buried. So the first thing we'll start out talking about today is what is the inner child? It is the part of your psyche that retains its innocence, its creativity, its awe, and its wonder toward life. 
And most of us do not live connected to that part of ourselves. And and if you're wondering, am I connected to my inner child? Here's the best way to know. Do you feel excited, invigorated, playful, and inspired as you go through your interactions day to day? Or are you a person that maybe you're feeling a little lethargic, stagnant, bored, empty? That's a sign that you're disconnected. I promised you a little bit of neuroscience on this. How is it that we end up disconnecting from that part of ourselves? One of the things that you need to understand is that our emotional foundation comes from the early years, like when we are newborn, up until the time that we're about seven to eight years old. During that period of our life, we live in a theta brainwave state. Now, in layman's terms, imagine just walking around living in a deep meditative state most of the time. Most people who are active meditators are trying to get to that theta state, but we don't have to as children. Up until age eight, we live there most of the time. Now, that number fluctuates a little bit depending on your emotional or psychological situation. So here's the good news. As a child, you're living in a pretty meditative state. The downside is that you're living in a meditative state because a child absorbs everything up until about eight years old because there is no development in the brain or ability to reason. So an example is, is if your father yelled at you as a child, you don't have the capacity to say, you know what? Dad's having a bad day. There's a lot of pressure at work. It's not my fault. What happens is, is you get shattered by that energy. You believe that it's your fault and there is an emotional reaction to the situation. Typically, if you grew up in a home where you got yelled at or there was a withholding of love, fear would be a common reaction. For other people, it could be confusion, disbelief, but there is an unpleasant energy attached to that. And to survive, we protect ourselves by immediately suppressing the reactive emotion. It just gets pushed away back into the warehouse of the unconscious mind, and it can live there for a period of time. So when these things happen over an extended period of time, we repress it further and further, and it pretty much just creates a child and eventually an adult who lives stuck in anxiety or fear. So when you face those same situations as an adult, there is so much emotional baggage built up, emotion on top of emotion on top of emotion, the worse the situation gets. And our reactions as an adult will be out of proportion to the current event that we're facing. If you're a person who's ever experienced road rage, if you lash out and scream. But if you think of these people who've been in situations, what do they say? Well, something came over me and I had no control over my actions. You know, so if there's a huge amount of suppressed pain that is built into rage, the actions may become out of control. Now, you know, having a parent who yelled at you often is just one example. Let's talk about some other ways that you might have been made to feel unsafe as a child. Uh, You might not have been allowed to speak up and have your own opinions. Did you grow up in a home where you were told children should be seen, not heard? Were you punished when you tried to speak up or act differently? Maybe you were a little bit more eccentric and creative and your parents told you to stop being weird. You might have been discouraged from playing or having fun. Did you grow up in a home where there was uh, little room for spontaneity? 
and that was not encouraged or allowed, were you not allowed to show strong emotions such as anger or joy? How many times have I talked to clients as adults who were told as children, and this is a big one, especially for my female clients, you know, if they went into an emotional fit and cried, a lot of times dad was like, well, shut up. You're being a little girl. Well, yeah, no shit, dad. I am a little girl. (laughs) But then in those moments, they really cut off that feminine energy, emotional part of themselves. There are other men who were emasculated as little boys for crying. You know, the archetype of the tough guy's guy dad who told the little boy, well, you know, you're soft. You're being a pushover. You're being a baby. These are all examples of ways that we weren't allowed to feel safe. Uh, You might have been shamed by parents or family members. You may have been verbally criticized or abused, physically punished or abused. Uh, You might have been a person who was made to feel responsible for your parents and their level of happiness. That was a big theme growing up in my life. You know, I've been talking a lot about workaholism and the effects not just on the individual, but on the family. You know, I had a father who was very focused on his career. And even though my dad was a great man, he was always when he came home, he was always at my school events. He always had WWE wrestling tickets, but there wasn't a lot of bandwidth left to give to my mother because he was always working and he was traveling. My mom struggled so much with her own mental health that she began looking to her children to make her feel safe, which is the complete opposite of what a healthy childhood should be. So as my mom, you know, who already had mental health struggles, began to come unhinged, I believed at an early age that it was my place to walk on eggshells, that I had to shut up, that I had to do what mom needed because I just had to keep her stable. And that was a pattern that totally took over in my relationships into adulthood. You know, where I would lose myself and be focused on pleasing someone else. So, you know, ask yourself, is any of these dynamics that play out in your life also just a lack of physical affection, by the way? If you didn't grow up in a place where there was a lot of touch, hugs, kisses, cuddles, these are all signs that you weren't safe as a kid and that your inner child was damaged. If we want to break it down, there are pretty much three types of childhood trauma. There was the emotional neglect, where your parents didn't really have a strong interest in your emotional needs for love or protection or guidance. They might have just been working all the time, trying to keep food on the table. And if that was a situation for you, typically... That is the groundwork for somebody who developed low self-worth and low self-esteem. So that is a place where the inner child gets wounded. And a lot of times you just ignore your own emotional needs because you believe that you're either needy or flat out wrong for having needs. Now, the second sort of neglect that goes on is psychological, and that's when your parents or caretakers failed to listen to or embrace or nurture the person that you were. And the third sort of childhood trauma that we go through is the physical neglect. So at the most basic level, physical safety and nourishment, if we think about this, physical safety and nourishment are the most intrinsic elements of a loving relationship. You see that in nature if you ever watch Animal Planet where you get like, you know, the the mothers and fathers nourishing their pups and their cubs with food, shelter, and protection. But if this was lacking for you as a child then absolutely it's going to cause some inner child issues 
again, low self-worth, intense safety-seeking behaviors. You know, this is where some of the uh, complexities like OCD will show up. Or people who engage in extreme risk-taking behaviors, by the way. Many addictions can sprawl out of that physical neglect. Uh, And many times sexual issues as well. You know, so if you didn't feel physically safe, this is where people, you know, particularly if they grew up in a home with sexual abuse, there's some sort of dysfunction where either you shut down and become cold and cut off physically, or you can become promiscuous. While there is variance in the three types of abuse and trauma that we experience as children, what it really creates as an adult are sort of five inner child archetypes that get in the way and keep us stuck. Remember, there is part of you that you've got, you learn how to get your needs met one way or the other. The question is, is whether you're doing it in ways that lift you up and empower you or ways that disempower you. So Dr. Jill Weber has uh, these five archetypes that she discusses as being ways that the inner child seeks approval and attention as an adult. Number one, you become the either tantrum king or queen. Think of the child every time that they don't get what they want. They cry, they scream, they throw themselves on the floor, you know, kick their legs and... This can manifest in adulthood where there can be huge emotional outbursts whenever we hear no from a partner or from a family member. If people in your life believe that they have to walk on eggshells around you, you very well might be playing out the tantrum archetype. And if you are a person who is prone to go straight to anger or rage or acting out, So helpful that when you feel yourself activated, you can feel that anger come up, but don't respond from that place. Take 10 minutes. Go to another room. Take the dog on a walk. Go take a shower. Do something just to get away for a moment before you act on that impulse. And then after you've stepped away... Then you can revisit the original feeling and see if you can either let it go or communicate it in a less intense manner. Now, the second archetype of the inner child is the manipulator. Think about this. If you're a parent, you know how good little kids are at tricking adults into giving them what they want. You know, they will rationalize with you all day. I have been good all day. Therefore, you need to give me blank. Uh, They'll find ways to get adult sympathy so that they will receive the things that they want. It was really interesting for me growing up as I was, you know, putting together these notes and reflecting back on my own childhood. If there were times that I knew that my mom was unhinged, I would look for ways to get sympathy to deflect away from the anger, hoping somebody would swoop in and rescue me. And this is almost sort of embarrassing to admit, but I remember being the kid who at five, six years old would try to jump off the top of the monkey bars, hoping that I would break my leg or break my arm. Because if I could do that, maybe it would distract mom from being in a temperamental place And she would come and love me and rescue me. And, you know, as much as I jumped off like my playhouse or off the monkey bars, I could never seem to make it happen. Thank God, in hindsight, right? Could have been seriously injured. But there are places in our adult lives where we can manufacture uh, a sense of trying to be rescued as a way to manipulate people into showing up for us. Many people out there confuse pity with love. And we'll take it, you know, we'll take it however we can get it. 
So how does this play out in adulthood? Other ways. Uh, many people use manipulation as a way to get every need gratified. And it's really just a way to avoid being direct with people. If this resonates with you, where you might be a manipulator, you want to be able to talk more directly with your partners about what you need and why, which also means you need to be emotionally present with yourself. Many times we don't speak up and ask for our needs because we don't even know what they are. You know, if you're disconnected from your inner child, you're just not in a place of feeling anyway. You suppress feelings. And when you're when you don't know how you feel, it's hard to know what it is that you need in those moments. Third archetype that I want to talk about today. This is what Dr. Jill Weber calls the good soldier. This is a person who is so intolerant of conflict or upset at home or at work, that they continually put on the brave or happy face even when their internal feelings are more complicated. So think of a child whose home life is really out of control and hostile, but at school, the child appears functional and competent. One of my clients was telling me recently about growing up with a mother who had a bad drinking problem, and mom would pass out in the car uh, while dad was driving the family home, and it would be the dead middle of winter, and dad would just leave her in the car. And the child was just so afraid she'd have to sneak out of the house and take three blankets and put them on top of her mother in the car until she woke up, but then had to go into school the next day and pretend as if nothing was wrong. You know, that was a big archetype that came up in my life also. I very much relate to this as a kid when, you know, my dad was traveling and mom was unhinged and there was a lot of physical abuse in the house. I was the kid that went into school and became the class clown. You know, I would do stand up at the school talent shows and really try to put on a mask, usually being the funny guy, is a way to avoid vulnerability. So good soldiers are afraid of conflict. Another way that they can do this, by the way, is just burying themselves in work and working hard to make other people happy. That's a way to circumvent your own needs. And again, a great cure here, if you are a person who is a good soldier, you got to find some safe relationships in your life, some places where you can be more real in your adult relationships, where you can open up and really start to communicate about how you feel. Fourth archetype we're going to talk about today when it comes to inner child, this is the rebel without a cause. Think of all the times that you get a little defiant. Normally, when a client comes to me and they express a huge goal that they want to go after, we have to start putting some structure in their life to help them make time for the goal. And you would be surprised how many people push back and rebel against this. So many people avoid structure because the caretakers who should have put structure in their place growing up didn't do a good job of making them feel safe. So actually, the idea of structure means I'm losing myself and I'm not safe at a subconscious level. Now, we can actually take this to the extreme when we talk about sabotage behaviors. People who get into substance abuse, who might have multiple sexual partners and be promiscuous, but like, you know, I'm not talking about the people out there who are in the ethical non-monogamous group uh, but the people who are leading a double life and sneaking around, there are all sorts of ways. You know, binge eating was a big way for me back in the day. But when somebody feels bored, upset, or frustrated, instead of talking it out, they act out behaviorally. And that is a big sign that you might be 
the rebel without a cause. If you're a rebel, the problem is, is if you continue down that path, you're going to burn out physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. So you want to start to become your own parent and tell yourself no to things that are going to make you feel worse after the fact. Now, Dr. Jill Weber gives those four archetypes, but there's one that I believe is missing that I see come up with so many clients, and that would be the invisible archetype. If the thought of speaking up, of being seen, of being experienced in the world, of being witnessed is such a threat to the inner child, then we will go invisible. We go into the turtle shell, we isolate, we shut down. And there are many behaviors for that as well. There's the people who become shut-ins and never leave the house. There are the people who will work compulsively because they just don't even want to go home, you know, to be in a situation where they might have to speak up. But typically, these are people who just isolate, withdraw, and collapse on themselves. You know, I know that the rebel without a cause can lead to many dangerous behaviors. But when we look at the effects of loneliness and isolation and all of the statistics that are out there, that it's really the same as smoking 28 cigarettes a day, according to research. This is such a dangerous pattern for people. Dr. Stephen Porges is the one that has the quote that says, safety is the cure. So having a relationship, even with if it's with a coach or therapist that you can open up to at first, but certainly building out some safe social connections, co-regulating with other people. Look, happiness is an experience that requires more than one person, more often than not. We do better in connection to other people um, because when you're isolated over an extended period of time is when we really start getting into the things of suicidal ideation uh, and people, which, by the way, one of the best definitions I've heard of suicide in the past year, somebody actually referred to it as abandonment depression, which I think so succinctly encapsulates what's really going on under the hood of the car. And tremendous empathy for the person who is the isolator because they learned growing up that nobody is going to have my back. If I cry out, nobody's going to come answer for me. And while that may have been an experience in childhood, it's only because your parents, A, couldn't accept the responsibility of being a parent, or B, more than likely, they didn't know how to meet the needs of their child because your parents were probably ineffective of meeting their own needs. So I'm curious, which of those five archetypes resonates more for you? would love to continue this conversation. You can join us in our Facebook group, the Life Amplified Power Tribe, and let me know there. You know, you can talk to me directly there in the Facebook group. So the question is, is how do you begin to acknowledge and reconnect to this lost part of yourself? Number one, I would suggest you get some professional help with it. This is something where you really need a trauma-informed coach or you need a therapist or a professional, somebody who has done this work. I'm so grateful that I get to do this with my clients uh, because I've spent many years doing it on myself. So there's no one-size-fits-all here, but there's a couple actionable steps that I would tell you would be the best place to start. Number one, can you create a storyboard of your childhood. If you took out a piece of paper and almost made a timeline where you broke it out into your infant self from zero to 12 months, the toddler version of you from one to three years, the preschool part of yourself from three to six, and the school-age self, 
you know, from six years old to puberty, if you could start to look and just go back and do your best to remember, how did you feel at each stage of your life? What was life like? Were you safe? Did you feel supported? How accepted did you feel? Uh, Keeping in mind that feeling safe as a kid didn't always have to do with the family environment. You might have had very wonderful parents who did their best, but you went to school and you got bullied or picked on there. Maybe you had some siblings that were acting out and were very threatening to you. So let's get clear on what those memories are. What are the physical sensations? What do you feel in your body as you go back and think about these parts of your life? Start jotting down any memories that come up and any emotionally charged material that comes up at a certain age range, that is something that you should absolutely speak to a licensed professional on. You can also, by the way, go back And write a letter to your inner child. You know, part of what we talk about in self-help and in mental health is reparenting and becoming that inner protector to the wounded part of yourself that you never had growing up. So imagine you now is a more wise and loving, you know, the, the fairy godmother archetype. Imagine that you could go and adopt that inner child. Could you write a letter? telling you how lovable that version of you is, how much you want to spend time with them, and write the letter in a way that makes you feel safe, cared for, and understood. The other variation that you could do on this, by the way, is to write a letter from your inner child to you. There was one piece of advice I saw online about this that said you can write that letter with your non-dominant hand so that you can bypass the logical side of the brain, but really coming from the perspective of your inner child. Um what were your inner child's needs? What did it want? You know, did it not want to feel alone? Did it want to feel protected? Right. And you can write back and forth, by the way, from the higher version of yourself to the inner child and begin to just acknowledge, right? One of the big things when there is a wounded inner child is we are disconnected emotionally. We are living in the logical side of our brain and we have given up feeling. And the problem is, is when you are out of touch and you're suppressed from an emotional level, you're also suppressed from your intuition, which is why you stay stuck. You can't access the wisest part of yourself to take the next step forward in your life. And then also you want to be able to share this pain and the things that you uncover with a trusted professional. Get a trauma-informed coach. Get a mentor. Find somebody who can hold space for that. You need an empathetic witness to validate these parts of you in a very loving, compassionate way. Whatever you do, and I guess I should add this, whatever you do, it's not a good idea to share these letters and some of these raw emotions that come up with the family members, particularly if they're people who've proven over and over again that they cannot show up for you in the way that you need. This is just a groundwork. It is not a cure-all. It is the first step on a very long journey to getting unstuck. It is the first step in a long journey to self-love. It is the first step in a long journey to reconnecting to the parts of yourself that you have disowned, but now are crying to be integrated and to be loved and to be healed. So I hope this serves you. A couple of key points to remember. 
that before the age of eight, you were living in a theta brainwave state. So basically everything that happened around you, both the messages that were said, the things that were unsaid, both the things that happened to you and the things that you observed just in the dynamics between your parents and your family, you were a sponge for all of it. You took it all in unfiltered and you made some certain meanings about what life is, what life can be and what life can't be. Safety is the cure for your inner child. You know, we talked about the three types of emotional trauma. We talked about those five different archetypes that could keep you stuck. And by the way, you might resonate with more than one of them. We'd love to hear your aha moments in our private Facebook group. And finally, we gave you the three best strategies that I have to help you take the first step to moving beyond it. This is the most important work that you will do. This is coming from a man who, again, used to mock the idea of inner child. I just thought it was so granola, life coachy, BS sort of stuff until I had to do the work myself. Uh, You know, I had to reach the point of emotional collapse and I had to walk through that dark night of the soul before I realized that there was just part of me that needed to be loved and reconnected to. And it's an honor for me right now to help my clients through this work. So if it's something where you need some mentorship, if you need some advice, if there is part of you that feels disconnected from who you really are, that you know what you do every day, but you don't know who you are, it's a great time to get a coach. I do have some spots open. You can register right now and apply for one-on-one VIP coaching. Go to creativesoulcoaching.net for info on that. Also, don't forget... February 12th, a live masterclass with me. It is absolutely free, the Life Work Balance Blueprint. And why do I talk about this inner child stuff? Because it will absolutely show up in your career. The part of you that you have separated from, that you have disavowed from, that is seeking approval, that wants to be loved, that wants to be liked, that might be overworking because you don't trust other people, to delegate to, maybe you don't work well in a team, whichever extreme you fall on, it's all related to these same issues. So we're going to be doing a really deep dive on that and specifically about how it affects the balance of your life coming up February 12th. I would love to see you for that. We have the link to register in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me this week. If you love the podcast, please leave us those five-star ratings and reviews up on Apple. Helps us with the algorithm. Or you can give us a follow here on the iHeartRadio app or whichever platform you're listening on. And you can also screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram or Twitter, tag me at CSC Dan Mason. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. Talk to you next week.